Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Pipes and tubes and tubes and pipes. Uh, they could freeze. You know, is that old tall tale? You keep the water running, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. Things you're told, things that you're supposed to believe in, uh, the memories that make you a uh, wealthy soul, if you will. What's the other one? You can't go in the pool until 30 minutes after you eat. I'm at the point now that no matter when I eat, I feel like I need to nap immediately after, which I imagine is uh, is not a good thing, not a healthy thing, but nonetheless, it is the truth. All right, it's good to have you with us. I guess it's going to be just brutally cold tomorrow. Those are the reports. My phone went off a little bit earlier, kind of bounced up and down like what happens when there's an amber alert, but it was like a weather advisory calling for... Uh, freezing temperatures and and what have you. So, you know, most of the country is getting absolutely destroyed. We are blessed here in Duval. We get about 300 good days a year. Unfortunately, right now here in the month of uh, January, it's been really bad. Yesterday was okay. Uh, Today was just nasty, and I guess that's going to continue tomorrow. But anyway, we'll get through it. And the good news is this. Today is historic in the world of the National Football League because you can press the stopwatch right now. We are T-minus 100 days away from the National Football League draft. And for starters, it feels so good to just begin to dive into this now. And, you know, I've looked at it over the last couple of weeks, not my full attention, but uh, peaked, if you will. And that's really a change around here. You just look at the years and with this franchise and during losing seasons where, you know, we begun to talk about the NFL draft in November. Hate to say it, but that's accurate. There's no radio embellishment there. That's the truth. There have been times around here where that's been the case. Certainly not the past couple of years with nine and eight records and making it to the playoffs last year. And of course, the disappointment of losing in Tennessee a couple of Sundays ago, but still being around for 18 weeks, 17 games, and now that constant rebuild is, uh, is something that this organization is going to talk about. It is something that uh, everyone here at 1010XL is going to talk about. I'm on record saying this, and I'm going to stick with it. I do think it's going to be the most fascinating offseason that we've ever had in franchise history because there are so many different and difficult decisions that Trent Baalke is going to have to make. And I wonder at this point, does he have the ability to do everything simply on his own? Or does Shad Khan get involved in any of this? Does the overall message 
and the overall feeling with Trent Baalke change as far as how he's putting together this team because I have to believe he's firmly on that hot seat, that if they do not advance to the playoffs at the end of the 2024 regular season, he will be fired one year from now. Now, that's just an opinion. You know, 9-8 and eight may be good enough. And I think that that's another part of this equation that we don't have an answer to. And, and obviously, there's, there's no transparency here. You know, there's no conversations here, which allows us to speculate that much more. It allows you as a fan to speculate that much more. When, when you're not given information, uh, the guessing game begins. And a lot of it is sourced. A lot of it is, um, you know, educated, if you will, coming from those who are close to the scene. There are others out there that will simply just make stuff up. But when you don't have a mouthpiece, and Jacksonville does not right now, and, and, and frankly, it's, it's very disappointing in a one-horse town that you don't have someone that is telling you what is going on. And our last bit of, uh, of a conversation came from Doug Peterson telling us that he needed time to decide what he was going to do with his coaching staff. And within a couple of hours, Mike Caldwell and most of their defensive coaches were fired, which made you believe, what is he doing? What is he saying? He said it would take days. So, did he change his mind in the next couple of hours? Did Shad Khan? Did Trent Bulky? Uh, he was a half hour late for the press conference to begin with, and then he went forward with that announcement while we were on the air on, on that particular night. I want to say, yeah, the press conference began at 3.30. We got that information around 6.30 on that particular Monday. So it was really bizarre. That's not transparency. All right? That's, um, that's whatever it is that, that you want to label it. And, and, of course, you know, Trent Bulky's in a bunker. Shad Khan, yeah, he released a statement, and I know all of you Jaguar fans out there were tickled to death to find out that this organization is going back out to London to play another home game. I mean, that's just thrilling news, right? Every Jaguar fan out there is just jumping with joy knowing that they get another opportunity uh, to go to London uh, to play a football game. So we got a release there. We got a statement there, I'm sure, aided by his publicist. Uh, Jim Woodcock, but nothing from Shad. Last year, after the victory, he met us in the bowels of the bank and uh, and gave us a comment or two when they were down twenty seven nothing and came from behind against Los Angeles. And, and and you know that's the way they elect to do business. That's okay, all right. That's their way, and it's basically always been their way, outside of Dave Caldwell. All right, Michael Hube didn't talk. <laughs> Gene Smith. He didn't talk. Prior to that, Shaq Harris uh, didn't talk. And Trent Bulky, uh doesn't talk. I, I, would, I would just believe that there would be a little bit more hands-on when you only have one professional franchise in a city. That, that's just my way of looking at it. But anyway, I'm not going to complain anymore about that. That's the way they do things. But it does kind of leave you spinning a little bit. You know, what is... Uh, really going on. Uh, it's it's a guessing game at best, and obviously what's on top next is what the Jaguars are going to do about the defensive coordinator uh, job. We'll get into that momentarily. But 100 days out, and 
here we are. Even though the draft becomes third or fourth in the, you know, events that are scheduled, uh, number one, you've got to fill your coaching staff, particularly on the defensive side. Number two, you need to make decisions, franchise tag, picking up a fifth-year option, restructuring contracts, flat-out releasing players out of your contracts until the legal tampering period does begin, which will be on March 11th through the 13th, and then uh, the free agency part of the of the season begins. So let me check those dates real quick uh, for you here because that, I might have been off by a couple of days here. It, actually, I was correct. Yes, it is the 11th uh, through the 13th is when the negotiation period uh, does begin. And, and right now on the surface, it, it would be, uh, I would be under the assumption that they're really not going to be active like they were two years ago, like they were three years ago. Last year was bare. Uh, we got that. But I still don't fully understand the salary cap. I don't think anyone fully does understand the salary cap. Reports are it's going to be up around $240 million this year. The Jaguars are going to create some dead cap money by releasing some of these players, players that you have been used to over the last couple of years. But they're also going to be able to recoup some funds. And, and again, what I think is going to be really intriguing about all of this because of my feeling that Trent Bulky is now on the hot seat, does he build this year's team differently from the way that he has built previous teams? He put together, say what you want about Bulky, he put together these free agency contracts really well. The third year was an out year, right? And, and I think we get caught up in years and money as opposed to looking at years in guaranteed money, and then looking at the dead cap money in year three. But, you know, you can go back to guys who aren't even here any longer, like a Marvin Jones Jr., and you can certainly look at guys who have now been restructured, like Roy Robertson-Harris, like Big Foley, um, Christian Kirk. Uh, Obviously, they re-signed Evan Ingram. But the point being is that don't always be so caught up uh, in the length of the contract and the money in the contract. It's it's very difficult to to hit that. Never forget Malik Jackson when he came here and we did a weekly show with him. I did a weekly show with him and he said I, I want to get every you know every penny of that contract. And it it didn't work out that way. I mean these contracts just do not. They end up getting restructured or in the case of Malik, yeah, I think he was either cut or he was moved uh, over to Cleveland for a draft pick. I honestly don't remember what it was, but that is going to be very interesting as to what the Jags are, are going to do. So the pecking order becomes defensive coaches, right, take care of things in-house. Then it is free agency. And how much money are they going to be able to free up? Um, can you gamble and get three young offensive linemen with obvious need at center, left, and right guard? Can you go to the well three times? Uh, the track record around here says no. It says no way. Look at your offensive line draft picks as of late. How many have hit? Cam hit. Juwan Taylor hit. Uh, ben Barch? Uh-uh. Luke Fortner? Uh-uh. Walker Little? Mm, we're waiting, right? Cooper Hodges? We're, we're waiting. 
It was basically a redshirt year. I may have missed a couple of guys in there as well, but no, history says you can't rely strictly on the NFL draft. Free agency hasn't been much better. I mean, they really overspent for Andrew Norwell. They really overspent for Zane Beatles. They they really overspent for Brandon Sheriff. So, yeah, I mean, and, and this is something that each and every one of you out there listening would absolutely agree upon. You've got to fix that offensive line if you are really going to be a legitimate player in the AFC. For what it's worth, Dane Brugger came out with his first, or excuse me, Dane Brugler came out with his first mock draft, and he had the Jags getting a wide receiver at number 17. That right there in itself is enough to completely boil my blood. Okay? And there's so much appeal about skilled position players. And I'm not going to throw out a survey. I'm not going to throw out a list and say, hey, who do you want at 17 and this and that. And I get it. And you're a great audience. You're a very knowledgeable football fan base. Okay? But it's always going to be the skill guys, right? You want a game-breaking wide receiver. Me telling you to draft a guard is boring. It doesn't work. It doesn't sell. There's, there's nothing about it that is positive. But it's what this team needs. They need it on the offensive and defensive side of the line of scrimmage. They are way too finesse. They are way too weak, too soft in the ditch. And that is something that absolutely has to be fixed. So, for what it's worth, it is going number 17 overall to LSU, Brian Thomas. I really like their second-round pick. I actually watched this bowl game with Kansas State. And the Cooper BB kid was interviewed. It's not too often you interview an offensive lineman after a game. They did uh, in the Kansas State matchup. I forget whatever bowl game it was, but they interviewed their coach, and they went to Cooper BB. He's a very likable guy. Looks like a, you know, a... Uh, a big eater, maybe a little bit of nasty along that offensive line. So, you know, doing that in round number two is is fine for me. I mean, you got to address this early, and this is one of just a ton of mock drafts that is going to begin to come our way. As I said a moment ago, we are 100 days away from the NFL draft. Okay, last night we did see Tampa Bay advance, so we're down now to the Elite Eight. Four games, a divisional round this weekend. Next week, championship Sunday, and then two weeks off before the Super Bowl. Jason Kelsey, reportedly his career is over. Took to Twitter last night because people are calling him the greatest center of all time. You know, great football player, and I and I guess he is. But you know, I um, my reaction to this was uh, again the just uncalled for and. Uh, just inappropriate comments on the Jaguars where he said, you know, playing here is one thing. It's not tough to play here. The people care, yada, yada, yada. You know, I can never see myself playing in a place like Jacksonville where nobody cares. And I I, I retweeted that last night. And then I said, on top of that, good riddance, jackass, because he was. And I, I took that personally and I put it on Twitter or X or whatever you call it. There's been a lot of reaction. Most people with my back here, um, Duval fans, but a lot of others across the country really taking shots, and it's the same type of subject. It's the same ignorance and lack of understanding, which just drives me crazy. The fact that you could say what you want about the team, 
I say what I want about the team. You can say what you want about the city, okay? It's a joke. People don't move here for the city, okay? They move here to live in the burbs. They move here to play golf. They move here to go to the beach. You go to the beach bars. You go to the beach. You go to the golf courses. You find nooks and crannies, great suburbs, great housing uh, throughout Jacksonville. You have no traffic. But the city's a joke. It is. It's a joke. And it's, it's, it's filled with a lot of idiots who forever had no idea how to build this city. I mean, why the hell would you put a jail? Right there overlooking the St. John's. Why would you put with the premier real estate, with all, as, as spaced out as we are, you can't get anywhere in this city in five to ten minutes. No matter where you are, at a minimum, it takes 20 minutes, okay? It is forever. And again, thankfully, we don't have traffic. You want to see traffic? Go to my hometown in Boston. Go where I lived for seven years in, in, in Chicago. That's traffic. Slide over to Atlanta. Go through Orlando. That's traffic. There's no traffic here. You got some idiot drivers, some morons who don't know how to merge. And, and most of those, from my understanding, come from like my neck of the woods, right? They're, they're mass holes or they're from New Jersey or they're from New York or they're from Philadelphia or from the D- District of Columbia. Right? It's never anyone born and raised here. Um, but anyway, you have all this space, all this room, and they built the jail overlooking the St. John's. So, yeah, we've had stupid founding fathers. We've had stupid leaders. You don't want to go to the city? I'm fine. And let me tell you something. I'm a city guy. I really am. The eight years that I was a sideline reporter, even before that, when I traveled on the team plane, Back in the mid-90s when we had it at the ball, okay, when OKV and we were the sister station, the ball, and I was on the Coughlin flights in the late 90s up until, you know, the eight years that I was a sideline reporter. You know, the guys on the Jaguars radio network, great guys. They're friends of mine. But they do one of two things. They find the best steakhouse in town or they hang out at the, the hotel lounge. No, maybe once a year I do that. I like college football, so I go into the city. I'd find the college games, and I'd find hole-in-the-wall bars, and I didn't care where it was. I would go into the city, and I'd bounce from bar to bar here and there, this and that. that that's just what I am. What, that's how, if you cut me up, that's me, okay? And I don't need a fancy place. I, I don't need a steakhouse. I don't. I mean, you can give me 12 wings and, and, uh, and some cold beers and maybe a shot of Tullamore Dew, and, man, I'm fine. That's good for that's good for me, all right? But I like to see the city. Can you imagine getting dropped in the middle of Jacksonville and being told, go on out and have a good time? Go on out and find some hole-in-the-wall bars. Go on out and do it. I mean, wow. So, yeah, I get it. You can complain about that. But pick it on the fans is a totally different story. And that's the one part of this that gets me. And I want to be clear about it because on Twitter and others are like, how can you defend this team? How can you defend this city? I'm not defending the team or the city. I'm defending the fans. It's a real good fan base. It's not a fair weather fan base. And if it is, it's because there are so many people that are, that are transit. There are so many people who are in our state who come from other parts of the country. I'm a great example of that. 
and winning provides more. You can go to Tallahassee. You can go to Gainesville, Orlando, Tampa, Miami here. You win, they come. They come more when you win. They lose, they're not going to fill the place. It's There's no other explanation around it. So anyway, I was uh, that that was my look at at Jason Kelly, uh, Jason Kelsey last night, kind of going away. Uh, you know, my understanding is he's a pretty good dude, right? And I, I guess the only down uh, part of all of this is with his retirement, there's going to be an even bigger opportunity for him to become one of us to grab the mic. And I, you know, I guess he's got a podcast already with his brother. We're getting to a point now where I find myself honestly trying to avoid a lot of stuff. You know, I was born and my mom and dad were like, avoid the bad things, right? Don't talk to strangers. Don't take drugs. Don't go into that neighborhood. Don't talk back to, you know, you're always told what not to do. That's where I find myself now with the understanding of don't ever bite the hand that feeds you, right? Don't ever do it. Don't ever dumb down what you do professionally by saying, oh, there's nothing going on. Oh, there's nothing happening. Oh, I don't listen to this. I don't listen to that. You know, there was a time in my life, man, where I listened to everything that is sports related. That was probably the seven years I was in Chicago because I was covering things nationally. You know, and if Phoenix won a game and Cedric Zabalas had 18 points and they're telling me, all right, they just knocked off San Antonio. We have Cedric Zabalas on the line. I would have to pull up the box score. We'd have a bunch of TVs surrounding the, uh, the station. I'd be like, hmm, okay, let's go to Phoenix. And you'd have to live it and love it and, and, and know what's going on. I don't have to do that here in Jacksonville. I don't, but you tend to want to know what is going on with everything that you do cover. You're also in a situation where you can just flat out avoid those who tell you nothing. And that's the way I feel about a lot of the crap that is out there. That's going to be one of our topics coming up tonight, getting into villains. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to getting your feedback on it. I think we'll have a good time with it, but that's where I'm going to be here. Uh, with the Kelseys, all right? I, I don't hate him. I don't hate Travis Kelsey. I'm not down on him for dating Taylor Swift. and That, that, that stuff doesn't bother me. I, I, I know what probably upsets a lot of people most is him selling out with Pfizer and admitting that he got the booster. And um, that, to me, is still one of the most disappointing parts of the last three to four years is the hatred right here in our country over COVID and how to protect yourself from it. I mean, I admitted a couple of years ago, I got the jab and there were legitimately people out there who wanted to see me die on air. And, and I'm not, I'm not giving you a, ja- uh, you know, a, a Jim McElwain um, fake uh, death threat here. It's unbelievable how the politics get involved as to whether or not you took the, um, you know, you, you, you took the, whatever it was, uh, the booster or whatever the heck they call it, or you did it uh, to the point that when people are dying, people are commenting on it, whether they took it or not. It, it's just, it's so outrageous that 
that stuff actually goes on in our country. I mean, my gosh, you talk about love thy neighbor. How can there be such mean-spirited uh, people? But, but they're out there. So I understand there may be hate with Kelsey on that. The other side with Jason Kelsey, though, I'll just never figure it out. Why? And someone's like, oh, you pick on other cities. You're damn right I pick on other cities. I wouldn't want to live in Buffalo or Cleveland or Philadelphia. And I mean, that's, that's a nightmare. Again, we get 300-plus good days a year in Jacksonville. Uh, but I have reasons to pick on those cities, okay? What reason did Jason Kelsey have to pick on this city? Statistically speaking, he's wrong. You look at fans per game, Jacksonville compared to all of the other stadiums in the NFL, they're right there. Have they been a losing franchise? Yes. So pick on the Jaguars. Pick on the city. Okay, but pick it on the fans? That was wrong by Jason Kelsey, and I'm always going to feel that way. So anyway, that's my opinion on it. Uh, You can certainly give us yours as uh, we're going to get into that tonight and have a lot of fun right here on this Tuesday edition. All right, opening comments tonight and every night brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Here's the guy who's been in Jacksonville forever. That's Dr. Neil Schmunez. The practice up, running, and just doing phenomenal things for everyone involved. That includes Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, or refractive surgery. Combined, that's more than 30 years in laser eye surgery experience. Best bit of news for you, just go to SchmunezVision.com. All right, check out everything that is there. It, um, you know, they'll explain exactly what it is that they do, but it's so much more than just a simple eye examination. Things can get real rough with your eyes. Maybe you are a candidate for laser eye surgery. Maybe you're really concerned that you have an issue with your cornea, blurry vision. Maybe you're getting headaches. Maybe there's fatigue. Uh, maybe there's an issue with a cataract. It could need surgery. It could be another remedy to just avoid that. You, you never know. That's why I absolutely advise that you check them out. They are great when it comes to what they do, and certainly that has been the case for me. Go to SchmunezVision.com. Care, you can see Schmunez Vision. All right, we'll grab some calls tonight, 641-1010. We, as, uh, as always, are going to get your feedback on the text line as well. Same number, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Temperature dropping winter in the wintertime. Yeah, it is here. Come and go, right? Do your thing and get out of here. I guess tomorrow's going to be absolutely brutal. Stay warm. Soup kitchens and... All that stuff. You one of those guys, you you go to something hot if you're cold. You go to the soup. Or do you go to a, a hot chocolate? Or I'm going to have a nice eggnog with some whiskey tonight. Okay. Eggnog with whiskey. But no, I don't have like a a hot thing I have to drink. I like the Baileys. Baileys Agreed. is good. Baileys is really good. I got another one for you. There's a bunch of peanut butter whiskey brands. Oh, Anyone yeah. will do. Oh, yeah. Take that, take a, like a half a shot of Kahlua and like a shot and a half of milk in there. <sighs> Perfect. It, it's pretty filling, though. When my mom passed in March, <clears throat> we, um, 
had her uh, memorial service back in back in Boston, and uh, my sister's kids. Uh, one is a senior at the U, and the other is a sophomore at Tennessee, and the youngest is still in high school. But anyway, you know they're in those college years and all that, and and um, we had a big celebration. Uh, for her life and, and, uh, you know, a post party after and, and, and did all of that. Then we went back to my sister's house and wanted to pick up some more alcohol, you know, got some beer or whatever. And I saw it, I saw the bottle of screwball. Yeah. That's the famous one. I was like, let's, uh, let's see what these college kids can do with this. And, and they weren't aware of it. They weren't aware of it. Yeah. They weren't aware of it down in Miami. They weren't aware of it over in, uh, in, um, Knoxville. But my goodness, do they love that. And it's the same thing. People look at it, and they kind of turn their nose. They're like, peanut butter, whiskey. Oh, I highly recommend it. It's like, that's gross. And, and I'm like, yeah, we'll try it. So not gross. Try yeah. it. And it's uh, it ends up being real good. But I've never mixed it with anything. I always just do it straight. Yeah, you can easily drink that whole bottle straight. Oh, my, it's so good. But, yeah, a little bit of Kahlua and a little bit of milk. Oof, so good. Outside of vodka, I really don't like to mix Liquor. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a white Russian-ish, you know, replace the vodka with uh, peanut butter whiskey. Remember it was last year when we went and saw Tedeschi Trucks, uh, got with my good buddy uh, Tom, Tom Blank, who's the owner of the Blue Crab Crab House, and he had a drink waiting for me, and it was Jameson and Ginger. And it was a good drink, but I'm like, man, I never drank Irish whiskey outside of it being... Just neat. I don't want it on the rocks. I don't want it chilled. I certainly don't want it with, you know, any type of soda. Uh, that's just, that's the way I've always been. Yeah, with like it. a Coke. Like Jackson Coke, you know, Jack and Coke and, and all that. It's just never been a big fan of it. It's just, Same. It's just my way of going about it. But uh, anyway, uh, that is that. Uh, let's start with Pete. He's first up. He goes into the night. Welcome. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, I just wanted to uh, let you know when you're talking about downtown, I'll give you some more ammo for that um, that argument. It's not just it's not just the jail. It was the old courthouse was on the river for 50 years in a parking lot on the river, and the city hall annex was on the river for decades, and the school board building is still on the river. So, I mean... It is really egregious, the founding fathers, as you call them, of all these non-tax-paying properties on the on the best uh, waterfront property. Mm-hmm. But anyway, just for FYI, so it's not just the jail. It's just the most recent example. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, on the Jaguar stuff and the and the trap or uh, whatever, uh, the Kelsey, right. Jason Kelsey's comments, yeah, I mean, I just don't put a lot of stock in that. I mean, because here's the reality. I mean, when you're winning, everyone just thinks everything's great. We got a Super Bowl because we came out of the block as a new franchise pretty hot. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, Jacksonville, this is great. Let's give them a Super Bowl. And when we start losing, and basically we've lost for the vast majority of that of Jason Kelsey's career, yeah, what happens is, we have other stuff to do in November and December and late October when the team's sucking. We can go play golf. We can go out on the on the boat or yep. whatever. 
you're in if you're in Philadelphia, you're in Buffalo, you're in Cleveland, your team's terrible in November and December. You're not. There's nothing else to do. Correct. So, and those and those the reason that those teams fans show up down here is because we're a great road trip. They look at the schedule and like, hey, we can go to Jacksonville in October, November, December and play golf and get out of our winter doldrums and play a crummy team. Mm-hmm. So if we start winning, all that stuff goes away. Just like we'll get more Monday night games, more Sunday night games, just like we did this year. And we're not alone in, like, the Sunbelt teams that have, like, a bunch of other fans showing up when we stake. It's, I mean, the, the Chargers have no home field advantage. The Rams basically have no home field advantage. So, I mean, look around. We're not alone in that. The Cardinals, when they stink, people are showing up at all their games, too. So, he's wrong. Yeah. But it's fixable by winning. Well, you're right about that. And, and I, hey, listen, Pete, I appreciate it. Thanks for getting in. You said a lot of uh, really good things. It, it, um, it's amazing how the perspective is because one of his former teammates was obviously Nick Foles, and they won a Super Bowl together. And to this day, I'll swear on it, you know, when Nick Foles, after a loss somewhere on the road, and I was there during the postgame press conference, and he started taking us through the trials and tribulations, I, I was absolutely, totally convinced that Nick Foles had zero understanding of the history of this franchise. And the only thing that he remembered was that they played in an AFC championship game against the New England Patriots, who Philadelphia would eventually beat two weeks later to win the Super Bowl. And he probably figured that since they were in the AFC championship game, Jacksonville was consistently a winning organization. And that year after year after year, they were going to the playoffs because if he was aware of what actually had happened, he never would have told the fans uh, to be patient. So, again, it's, it's really quite fascinating when you are a player for a team in a city to understand what it is that they're actually thinking about when you raise another part of the country as to where they're going. I just hated that Jacksonville was the punchline. And, and again, I want to be specific about it. It's not about picking on the team, and it's not about picking on the city. It's about picking on the fans. And there's a major difference. I can't defend the city. I can't. I can't defend the team in a lot of bad moves uh, that they've made. Uh, but the fan base has been real good. And, and the point I'll make and have always made about the city, when I, I don't even think of Jacksonville as a city. Honestly. I mean, who thinks of Jacksonville as a city? I don't. I think of Jacksonville as the beach and the golf courses and St. Augustine and Amelia Island and, you know, every, everywhere else in between. I, 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 it's never been, you know, when I've had buddies in town, it's never been, hey, let's go to the city. Never. It's can we play TPC? You know, can you get us on this golf course? Can we, you know, can you charter a boat? Can we go fishing? Can we, that's what it's about. It's, it's never, and, you know, listening last night, I'm with you. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, they're like, my goodness, downtown Tampa Bay. The changes they've made here. This city is magnificent. If you've been to a, a hockey game, 
in downtown Tampa, and I've been to several there for the Lightning. Bro, it it may be the best, it may be the best sporting event in this state. Now, now I'm partial to college football cathedrals. Okay, I'm partial to Tallahassee. I'm 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 partial to Gainesville. Obviously, Miami. You know, the Canes are playing in an NFL stadium, but I, I'm partial to small little towns with a huge stadium. I've always loved that about the Deep South. But if you get the professional athletics, you're not going to find a better event than going inside and watching the Tampa Bay Lightning play. And it's downtown. I mean, if they ever had a baseball, if they ever put the baseball stadium somewhere around down there and got it out of St. Petersburg, you look at the amount of seats they had. Okay, now there's a fan base that deserves to get criticized. They don't support. They don't want to go over the bridge. They don't want to go to St. Petersburg, okay? That's not the problem here. Here it is, it is downtown. Now, it's a headache in, in and before the games because, again, they just, city leaders don't know what the hell they're doing. They, they, they don't. And I'm going way, way back to the beginning here. And, I, you know, listen, I don't know if I'm ever going to see it in my lifetime. I hope some of you youngsters see it. I don't know what's going to happen. And with the no transparency, how the hell are you going to turn around now and ask these people for money? (laughs) I mean, good luck. This fan base now, their expectations have changed. And all of a sudden, 9-8 and uh, is not good enough. 9-8 and is a disappointment. You go back four years ago, it's just incredible. But that's where this team is right now. All right, let's... um, Let's take a break. When we come back, we've got much more to do. Got, uh, got a lot of good stuff coming in on um, – um, uh, I guess I responded to the wrong guy here with that. All right, I'm just talking to myself as far as the text line uh, that's coming in. Getting some pretty good stuff. If you want to comment on that, you can. 641-1010, best way to get us. We'll grab some calls tonight. Also, same number if you'd like to get on in on the text line. That number is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. <laughs> Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, tonight till 10 o'clock, then Hacker will join you on the rest of the week, 6 to 8. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Looking forward to it. A lot of good stuff this time of year. I've always maintained I enjoy the off-season more than in-season. I think we work a little bit harder, but I've I've always enjoyed it, and um, that is the case this year. I uh, got some bad news coming out of Tallahassee. Some sad news coming out of Tallahassee. I was told today that Mike Martin is um, is now in hospice care. He turned eighty. Oh, I want to say back in February. So. It, it would be uh, – actually, he will turn 80 on February 12th. So that is less than a month away. But he's had a real tough time uh, with dementia. He um, – I guess he's got symptoms that are as well similar to Parkinson's. 
it's uh, it's just awful. It is, and you know, I think we're all affected by this, and whether it's um, you know, dementia or or anything along those lines, man, it is just such a cruel ending to life. You know, I witnessed witnessed this firsthand with my mom, who had three brain surgeries, and at the very end was just so difficult. And that's why when she ended up passing in March, yeah, I I, I was sad, but I, I I couldn't stay sad because I was actually happy that she was no longer suffering. But you know, Alzheimer's and dementia, and it, it, this stuff is just. It's really a shame that you spend your whole life trying to, in the case of Mike Martin, man, here's a man who was always in really good shape, right? And here it is. It's, it's hit him and it's hit him hard. So I'll keep you updated on this, but family's asking for prayers. 2029 and 736 was Mike Martin at Florida State. 40 years had a winning percentage of 73.2. Of course, he retired in 2019. His son got the job, and that didn't work out. Uh, Link Jarrett, now the manager uh, at Florida State. It's it's really, it's it's pretty amazing to think that Mike Martin did not win a national title. <laughs> I mean, he had some phenomenal teams. And again, that winning percentage, 73.28, nearly 73.3% lifetime. So I don't like reporting that, but we'll keep you updated uh, if, in fact, any news does uh, become available. I got a lot of people now. Jacksonville's a suburb town, always has been a suburb town. And, yeah, um, maybe we should do a tour, JJ. Maybe we should do every – you know, we get it sponsored – Get a limo or, heck, you and I, we, we can just Uber. I mean, we should hit every bar downtown. We can start at top of the River Club if they'll let us in there, right? And then we can go to where? There's three or four on Bay Street. You got tailgaters. You got Intuition and the one that changes its name all the time right across the street from the— It's like that bar or something. Yeah, right next to the arena. Um. We can even do Wild Bills, you know, which is not technically in the city. It's on, uh, what's that one road uh, under the bridge? What the heck did it? Talleyrand. It's on, it's on Talleyrand. We can even include that into the city. Uh, we've got, you know, Dos Gatos, and there's one or two others that are right near the Florida Theater. Uh, you got the, the ritzy downtown. The Volstead? The ritzy downtown uh, steakhouse, right? Cal- uh, the Calford House, whatever it is. I don't even know what you're talking about. It seems cool. Up- updated cocktail classics are presented in a speakeasy-like ambiance with Sunday swing dancing. Okay. Has live music. Love it. I believe there is a, um, I believe there's a cigar club downtown. So what do you have, 10 bars downtown, 12, 15 tops, right? Get out and check it out. Mingle with the folks a little bit. Get some of that city life in. We're, we're, we're too much here in the burbs. And maybe I'll learn uh, a little something. Hey, hey, I say it all the time. I'm actually one of those who used to enjoy the landing. I liked the landing. I know it's not cool to say that. 
I used to like it. Remember Frankie's way back when? And they had a cool Hooters there. My buddy, when he owned Chicago's P- uh, Chicago Pizza, when that was, I used to like the landing. And, of course, they knocked that over. That's, that's all gone. But. Do young people still go to bars? and Like, do young people still drink? Like, what do young people do? Do young people still smoke weed? Or, like, what are we doing? Like, what are 21-year-olds doing? They're just vaping and sitting at home on Tinder. Like, what do you guys do? I don't know. Good question. It is expensive as hell to go out, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, even for a couple beers, you're looking at at least 15 bucks minimum for two beers. You know, like, it's not great. No. Like, I remember when I was first starting to drink, I would go out to places and it would be like 99 cents for a draft. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you could find 75-cent draft nights. Like, every night you could find a place that was cheap. It's, that's not happening. We used to have bladder bust in <laughs> Tallahassee at the first. You know what that is? Uh, if you pee, nobody who, like, I'm assuming nobody pays until somebody pees or something? Drink free until someone has to go to the bathroom. Love that. Yeah. Nickel beer night at CJ's. Yep, we had one of those. Nickel beer night. For Monday night football, we had nickel beers. I don't even know where the cheapest drafts are in town. Neither do I. Hit us up on the text line. I please. love a draft. Me too. I love a Miller like draft. I I you know, there's something about a good you get a good draft in an ice cold mug. And it's so much better than a bottle or a can. It's got as long that as it's zip. clean. As long as the lines are kept clean. Ah, you could serve it to me <laughs> in, a, in a dirty glass. No, not the glass, but like the the, you know where the beer comes from. Okay. A lot oh yeah, of the places way. they don't clean those. Oh yeah, the lines. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. But because a an ice cold draft has that little extra bite. You know, the carbonation, it's got that little, it's, it's, um, oh, it's so great. It really is. I'm a huge fan of it. Here's <laughs> the guy who said 84, just said, JJ, stop talking like you're 40. Oh, I'm 34 almost. I'm, <clears throat> I'm pretty close. You're like, what are these young guys doing? I'm certainly closer to 40 than I am 21. Yeah, my daughter finally sent me a picture of uh, her attending her four shift at her uh, Scottish bar in in Paris. That's where we need to visit. Mm -hmm. Paris. Stop by. I've always wanted to go to a Scottish bar in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, They get the Olympics going there. Yeah, this summer. I was thinking about visiting, but I'm like, I I don't, I'm not going then. Listen, I don't mind crowds. Tourist trap. But that's just going to be, that's going to be crazy. There's just, there's just no way. I'm assuming it's always pretty terrible there, like tourist-wise, but that's got to be next-level annoying. Yeah. I went to the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. What was that like? Like, what events did you go to? I honestly don't remember much (laughs) of it. I I went to a baseball game. I I, want to say it was the United States against Cuba. I may be wrong. I honestly do not remember. Okay? I, I, um... I don't know why. I mean, I remember everything that I've done. I'm, I I was credentialed, and I was in Tallahassee at the time. How long were you up there? 
It was up there for like two or three days. Okay. Because that's the thing. You could go to the Olympics and then, you know, they don't even do track and field till like three weeks into the Olympics. You know, you you don't necessarily see all what you want to see. Yeah. Or any of what you want to see. I think it was more of a situation just to, you know, kind of say, hey, I went to the Olympics. You have a guy up there, yeah. And, but I, I know that I didn't, I didn't cover it as in, you know, the radio station that I was in at that particular time. And uh, before I came over here in 96, uh, I was doing the only local show. So I didn't have, you know, I think this was during a vacation or something. I'm trying to remember exactly what it is, but I know I went to a baseball game, but I was partying <laughs> to make a long story short. And I honestly don't remember much about it uh, outside of the fact that security was brutal. And it was tough to get from point A to point B. This now, was is this before, before the bombing. Richard Jewell? Yeah, this is before the bombing. Okay. Yeah. Well. Which he didn't do. I'm just. No. Uh, have you checked our text line? No. We've got 77 places to drink that have come in here in the <laughs> last two minutes. I love our audience. Okay. And that's why I'm defending the audience from the likes of of Jason Kelsey. If I get another one saying I'm defending the city or I'm defending the team, it's like, I'm not. I criticize the team when they deserve to be criticized. I criticize the city. It's the fans. And I'm not doing it to try to rub up to you. Okay? I'm not doing it so you'll buy me a free Paps Blue Ribbon if I see you out on the road. I'm I'm doing it because I actually mean it. You get a bad rap. And I understand it's easy to pick on Jacksonville. I understand it's easy to pick on the franchise. But picking on the fans, to me, is, is, is wrong. The London thing really doesn't help. That's, I think that's why it's easy for opposing players and fans and stuff to easily single out Jacksonville. Like the caller said, there's, a, there's at least three or four franchises that struggle with you know opposing fan bases coming in. But the... You're the only team in the NFL that goes and plays over there yeah, at least joke. once every year. It's exactly. And and have you ever heard me say a positive no. thing about that? But that's that's just it makes the Jags stick out. Right. I I didn't like it when I went. I didn't complain about actually I did complain about it. Complained about it more since I'm no longer the sideline reporter. It we spent a week there once. I mean, we went from Cincinnati <laughs> to a place called The Grove, and and it was just, um, it was like a prison sentence. It was, because it, it was just so awful, the weather. Um, it was like it was today. It was, it was cold, and it was dark. There was no sun. And I, I am one of those who is absolutely affected by the weather. Okay. That that as a matter of fact, that may be, you know, there's things that you can handle and there's things that you can't handle, right? It's there's wants and there's needs. There's things that you can control and you can't control, right? Everyone's always gonna say, Hey, don't worry about things that you can't fix. Don't worry about things that that you can't change, right? I can't change the weather, but brother, does that ever affect me? And I, I hate it. I wish I didn't have that problem. But when I get up and I look outside and it's a day like today, I'm like, this, this is just the worst. And no one wants to hear me complain about it, you know, because I got a pretty good life. 
Um, I mean that in all sincerity. I mean, there's people who got up today and had to work, whether you were indoors or outdoors, uh, and had to brave those elements. And I'm sure most of you would probably take these elements over the 95-degree days that you're going to get over the summer. It was an incredibly hot summer. But I'll take that any day. Yeah, Aaron Beasley, playing golf with him on, on uh, Saturday, he's like, man, I, I'd, I'd much rather play in this weather than when it's 95 or 100 degrees. He's like, you can always put another layer on playing golf in this. You, you can't take off enough layers when you're playing in the dead of the summer. And I looked right at Aaron. I said, man, I could not disagree with you more. Give me the heat. And it, it can be... Uh, it can be problematic because you're sweating like a pig. But that's why I moved here. All right, here's one bubble. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, everyone moves here. People aren't moving to Buffalo. People don't move to Cleveland. People don't move to Green Bay. They don't, they don't move to those places unless a job takes them there. Uh, but why don't they grow yada, yada, yada and uh, have an NFL franchise in London? That's interesting. They got it in Vegas. I don't know. It's got to be on the short list of things Goodell would want to accomplish. Yeah, I, I asked my daughter yesterday. When we I, we actually spoke. It was not text. I actually talked to her for about 30 minutes, and I said, so – What's it like over there? Is it all soccer? What's it like sports-wise? They like basketball. Yeah, that's what she said. France is, basketball is huge in France. They like hoops. I'm like, so, you know, at your bar, did you have the NFL playoff games? She's like, no. Nowhere in town, nowhere in Paris was, you know, there. maybe there's some bars that she's unaware of, but no, the NFL in Paris... It doesn't relate. It certainly does to some aspects in London. But for those of you who've ever been to a game over there, it's almost got that Super Bowl feel. That was the one thing that I noticed that that every year I would go is that you would see, excuse me, you would see representation from, from all 32 teams. And you'd see that in the, in the stadium. All right, let's take a... Uh, Let's take a break. Dollar Mickey's. Uh, yeah, I'm taking mental notes of all these texts. 80s night at the old milk bar. Where the hell is that? Is that on Bay know. Street? Okay. I mean, see, that, that's the problem. I mean, there's like, if it's that section on Bay Street, there's like three parking spots, right? Yeah. I mean, where do you park? Yeah. Hey, but what you do is you park in the garage and you get on one of those new scooters. You just take the scooter and you drop it, right? I mean, so yeah, <laughs> parking's a parking's a, and I get it. Parking's that way in any major city, okay? And when I go to Boston, I'm on the subway. When I go to Chicago, I'm on the subway. It's a it's a lot cheaper to do that than you know haul a cab. Of course, nowadays you got Uber, but yeah, you know, I'm thinking about yeah, you know, I'm thinking back when I was. Uh, in those cities. Uh, West Adams Street. West Adams. Now, w- w- does that out towards like Springfield or something? I-, I don't know anything about this. It's by Bay Street. Okay. 
It's uh, in between Bay Street and Duval Street. Now, what night? Can we get a hold of this? Oh, it's Mondays. Eight o'clock. Okay, Dollar Mickey's. The Milk Bar downtown. Okay. Maybe I'll give that a an opportunity. Uh, two for one Grolsch. I didn't know they still made Grolsch. I don't know what that is. Scarlet's. Is that like a gentleman's club? <laughs> Seems like it. I don't know where that, yeah, folks. You got to give us locations. Uh, the twenty three, uh, twenty eight, thirty five. I, I mean, hey, we, maybe there's a whole bunch of hidden gems downtown that we just don't know about. Maybe it's the greatest kept secret <laughs> that you know. You folks stay out. This is for us. Downtown is perfect. All right, let's take a quick break. We got much more to do with you tonight till ten. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Such an underrated Rolling Stones song. Mick Taylor on lead guitar here, not Keith Richards. He didn't even mention this song in his book. Uh, titled Life, which I thought was really, really good. Great piece. Have you, read, have you been able to dive into the Stones book? No, it's next, though. I'm looking forward to it. Looks like a quick read. Yeah, I love those kind of ones that are like, I know I can finish this in like two days if it's really good. Complete debauchery. <laughs> I mean, you talk about anything goes. Um, yeah, but Ronnie Wood always gets the, you know, the love as the second guitarist. But uh, I thought Mick Taylor in, in this... Solo at the very end is is sick. Arguably my my favorite Rolling Stones uh, guitar riff, which I know so many people out there would would argue with me about. Tell you what, let's have a conversation with that. Pick a bar downtown, <laughs> and we'll meet. We're told now by several people that the Milk Bar has been closed for a no. while. No, so See, we don't our, even know. There goes our plans for a Monday night '80s night. By the way, Exile on Main Street, A Season in Hell with the Rolling Stones is the name of the book. Robert Greenfield. Mm, you're going to love it. You're just, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm going to spoil it for you. It's, it's probably my second or third favorite Rolling Stones book. I, I still, Altamont is my favorite, which about, yeah. Close the 60s. You know, it was supposed to be the second big live concert event after Woodstock. This one was in Northern California. They didn't have a place to do it. They wanted to do it, like, around the bridge, around the Golden Gate. And they put it together at the last moment. Imagine that nowadays. like Yeah. <laughs> An old speed track at Altamont. We're going to have the Hell's Angels in here for security for free. And you had, like, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, the Flying Burrito Brothers, <laughs> Jefferson Airplane. And it got so crazy that, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the Grateful Dead didn't even go on stage. They're like, this is too much for Jerry us. Garcia and company. And, and, you know, they were, they were supposed to be, besides the Rolling Stones, they were supposed to be, like, the second headliners because they were from there. They were from Hayton-Asbury. But it got so... Drug induced, and of course they, 
gave the Hells Angels $400 worth of beer to do their security. One of the Hells Angels punched uh, Marty Balin in the face, the lead singer of Jefferson Airplane, not named Grace, uh, Grace Slick. And the Stones came on. They went crazy, and they ended up murdering, uh, I think his name was Hunter Meredith, who was wearing like a green suit, a black man killed by the Hells Angels with, with like pool sticks. Meredith Hunter. Meredith Hunter. What did I say? Hunter Meredith. Okay. All right. That's the greatest Rolling Stones book. But the one you're reading is another very good book. Give me well. Shelter, the movie, if you've seen oh, it. Oh, man. A lot of that footage is in there. When they rerun the video and Mick sees it, it's, um, it's really deep. But that was a sad ending to the, uh, to the 60s. There's a guy here saying uh, Keith Richards' life is a great read. I, I agree. It's a sensational read. Love reading about rock stars. Sclera Woods, I mean, Sheer Woods, Buck 50. I've been there many, many times. <laughs> Getting all these milk bars are closed. That's great. Rick, if you haven't hit Icebreakers Bar and Grill yet, I haven't. I have not done that. I get asked every year by a couple of police officers to, to join their, uh, their beer league. And I just hung them up. You know, my brother still plays in Tampa. I just, I just hung them up. You know, I just, I, I have no desire to do that. I, I, and I never have as far as beer league hockey. And obviously beer league hockey, there's no checking and, 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 and things like that. And I, what I love about beer league hockey is that, you know, it's a great workout. You go, you sweat everything out, you feel so good, then you drink a dozen beers when you're done. It's like, but I don't know, I just never. What about softball? Now, a couple of years in Tallahassee, I get it, but I don't know what it was about that. I mean, it, it, you know, you're either a has-been or a never was. I just, getting into that whole has-been deal. Adult sports deal. Right. Yeah, I just that never interests me. Just like being a coach never interests me. My dad was a coach forever. I just, I don't know what it is. My just, wife's in like an adult <laughs> kickball league. Uh-huh. And it's very late. It's very laid back and fun. But I couldn't see myself, like you said, being in like an adult, Anything league where it's taken very seriously, like basketball. Oh. Oh. I just don't have it in me to care. No. I left it all in high school. I mean, I played three sports, and I enjoyed it. I wasn't good enough to move on. I didn't, I didn't need to. Now, at Florida State, we had some really good intramural teams. Really good teams. Football and softball. I didn't play hoops. But. Some really good teams, yeah, and and that was probably it for me. And then I did a couple of years worth when I was tending bar, but then there'd be you know, we got a game, and I had the ten bar, and, you know, so I ended up being there half the time, whatever. So I I ended up giving it up when it was all said uh, and done. Uh, wild card weekend is complete, as we do know. Hey, how about Hall of Famers and drops? I was noticing it last night. Michael Evans had three drops. Um, Kelsey had a bunch. Over the weekend for Kansas City, C.D. Lamb, all right, he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, the other two are. Lamb has got to put up these numbers for more years, but, man, he was totally on the opposite page of uh, of Dak Prescott. 
it's it's interesting. It, you know, we get to the time of year where great players make great plays, and you know, two of those three teams were able to win despite those drops uh, last night. I thought Troy Aikman really said some interesting things when he got into Philadelphia, talking about how they showed no life, how they looked like a defeated team. That is when you can really make the case that you have lost your players uh, when it comes to Nick Sirianni. I I tweeted this out last night as well, and I got a ton of reaction on it. It's amazing. I've noticed this for a very long time when it comes to Todd Bowles. No matter when the situation is, no matter what the situation is, when the camera is on Todd Bowles, he doesn't say a word. I, I don't know if there's a head coach anywhere, a manager or a coach anywhere, who speaks less during a game than Todd Bowles. So if you looked at him last night, who's basically like a mime, he says nothing, and then on the other side of the field, every time they show Nick Sirianni, all this man is doing is screaming. He's spitting and screaming at officials, at assistant coaches, at players. It's two totally different ways of being a coach. You know, I think Doug Peterson this year, it was pretty obvious to me that he's not as involved in plays because it felt an awful lot like every time they showed Doug Peterson on the sideline, he was kind of the Todd Bowles-like. Urban Meyer was that way. Urban Meyer never said anything. But I'm just wondering if people notice that. And, you know, I, I can think of Eric Bieniemy when he was with Andy Reid, and we were always told that Eric Bieniemy, you know, is an offensive coordinator and that someday he's going to be a head coach, but it's Andy Reid who's calling the plays. Yet every time they would show a sideline in Kansas City, it seemed like Eric Bieniemy was talking a heck of a lot more than Andy Reid. So, you know, who officially calls plays? Who sends the plays into the microphone to Pat Mahomes or, or anyone else is always a, uh, a very interesting point for me. But I found that last night to be, you know, really interesting. All right, as we head to this break, Tex, uh, the Texans at the Ravens, Baltimore favored by 7.5. That's 43.5 as far as the total. That'll be game one at 4.30 on Saturday. The nightcap, Green Bay at San Francisco. 49ers favored by 8.5, total 50 and a hook. Sunday, Tampa at Detroit. That's at 3 o'clock. The Lions favored by 6.5, total 48.5. And, and the final game this weekend during the divisional round for the first time ever, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. They go to Buffalo, the Bills, a three-point favorite. Your total, 45 and a half points. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, kind of want to get into uh, some villains tonight, but uh, time permitting, that's just not going to happen. we Found ourselves kind of drifting down another avenue tonight, up and around Bay Street. Took a while to get there. We made the pilgrimage over the Main Street Bridge, but uh, 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 Eleanor, uh, Karen, and Arnie in their 12-foot sailboat forced the bridge to open, and it delayed us about 45 minutes. 
Oh, man. You know, and I say all this with a smile on my face because I'm, I'm one of yours, okay? Don't give me that Boston crap. I saw that in the rear view at 18. said, Tallahassee, here I come. So you can't, you, you, you can't do that. I won't allow it. I'm one of yours. This, I've been here forever. I've been here longer than I have been in Boston. And the rest of my days, whether it's this week or it's another 30-plus years, it's going to be right here in Jacksonville. It's as simple as that. But, yeah, I, I have no problem criticizing this, the city. I have no problem criticizing the football team. I do. But I, I do have a little bit of an issue uh, hopping on uh, the fan base. That, that, to me, doesn't make any sense. Florida State now flips another Alabama kid, 2025 four-star edge rusher Javian Hilson on his way to Florida State. So if you have not heard, Florida State got a linebacker yesterday in Sean Murphy. They got a defensive back early in the process and Earl Little Jr. They got three offensive guys, Roydell Williams, who was involved this year running the football. I think he had about 600 yards rushing for Bama. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, an interior offensive lineman, and Malik Benson, a wide receiver. So five already in via the transfer portal. And, of course, the decommitment, (laughs) which, you know, hey, you got a whole year, right? I mean, you don't announce it until December, so anything could change and. uh, We've heard that. We've learned that at Florida State and everywhere else. Uh, today's kids switch all the time when it comes to their verbal commitment. So, you know, at Alabama, Nick Saban retires. Kaywin DeBoer leaves Washington, goes to Bama. They bring in now Kane Womack from South Alabama, the head coach, to now become Alabama's defensive coordinator. Um, to me, this is a little bit of a Mike Norvell you know, Adam Fuller situation, a little bit of a Doug Peterson, Mike Caldwell situation. At a place like Alabama, don't you want to bring in an already established defensive coordinator, a guy who has ties to the SEC? Again, if you look at Kalen DeBoer's resume, he has been nowhere near the Deep South. The closest he had been was for a year or two at Indiana. He has always been up in, you know, the Dakotas or Washington. So this could be a totally new world for him. Kind of like it was a new world for Mike Price when he left Washington State. How many years ago that was? 25 years ago. So really surprised by this. Jed Fish leaves Arizona on his way to the University of Washington. Um, No one's going to feel sorry for Alabama. No one is. We're starting to hear more and more and more about this was all Nick Saban in Alabama and that, believe it or not, their NIL is not nearly as strong as other teams in the SEC. I find that hard to believe because Alabama's an old school with old money and still learning about the NIL. Obviously, Florida State got hit with it last week where they're going to have some scholarship reductions and there's going to be some other things that are going to hamper this team, uh, including Alex Atkins, who's going to be suspended. We'll, we'll figure out exactly 
officially what is going to happen, but uh, I guess the understanding right now is that Alabama actually does need some better leadership, at least in that department, as far as the NIL. So maybe this is a little bit, you know, a little bit of a fallback to grace for Alabama. You know, let us remember after Gene Stallings won a national title, and up until they went back and and made the move to bring in Nick Saban, things were really lean at Alabama, right? You had Mike Dubose, total nightmare. You had Dennis Franchoni, total nightmare. Mike Price, the ultimate nightmare, right? I mean, the ultimate. And then Mike Shula, that didn't work. So I'm not a fan of when people say, well, everything's cyclical. In college, I, I, that, that, that expression drives me crazy. But there is some truth to it. We see these powerhouses, these true blue bloods, go through ups and downs. And Alabama's had nothing but ups since probably, what, 2008? I think his first year at 2007, Saban was right around 500. I know Bowden got him here in Jacksonville. Florida State beat him. I think they went to the SEC title his second year. That was a big game here for uh, Dakota Fag, and I want to say P.K. Sam, maybe Crow Thorpe. Maybe wrong with Crafonzo Thorpe, but it was a big day here uh, for Florida State against Alabama. Yeah, so year one didn't go well, but ever since then, it's been a, just a magnificent run for Nick Saban. But it's tough to find a, a, a true blue blood that hasn't dipped since the turn of the millennium. Look at the millennium started. It was Miami and USC. Both have dipped. LSU's been in and out. Florida State's been in and out. Uh, Florida won a couple of national titles with Urban Meyer. In and out. Auburn had an undefeated season. Played for another national championship 10 years ago against Florida State. Texas, in one of the most incredible college football championship games we ever saw with Vince Young against USC. Down. Now this past year, back up. So no one sticks for that long. Even before Herb, you know, Ohio State had a a few years. With Jim Trestle. Where it was kind of rough towards the end. I think they were six and six, maybe. John Cooper, you know, in his battles with Lloyd Carr. Both of those franchises. I mean, Michigan hadn't won a national title since 1997. That's... Frankly, too much time for Big Blue. Remember the Rich years, too? I mean, oh, yeah. like, they were barely even making it to bowl games those years. I, he got fi- His last game was here. It was a Gator Bowl. And I remember just being a, a total lame duck, just going through the motions. He was, like, such an innovator offensively, too. Like, people are like, the second he brings that offense to a school like Michigan, it's game over. And it just never worked out. Mm-mm. No, one of the major big-time disappointments for a guy promoted to become a head coach that I can think of in quite some time. Uh, Charlie Weiss would be another one I'd think of. I thought Charlie Weiss Notre would, Dame. would what he did with Tom Brady would be just phenomenal. Gator fans right now. I'm sure when you think Charlie Rice, they, him sitting on a beer cooler trying trying to trying to call plays. Uh, anyway, so we'll see what happens with uh, with Alabama. But right now, uh, some interesting times for them, no question 
about it. All right, uh, final thoughts coming up on the other side. Hacker Nation's going to join you at 10 o'clock the rest of the week. JJ and Rick Ballou will be with you from 6 until 8 o'clock. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, it's got an interesting email here. Uh, or actually text, I'm sorry, 641-1010 in our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Uh, 0489 said, uh, didn't Jim Fossil have Maurice Corette? And I'll never forget um, being in Chicago, and that's where the Big Ten meetings were, somewhere in a hotel room in uh, or a hotel whatever they had, the big ballroom wherever. Um, and I, I asked Jim Jim Fossil, it had just been announced that Claret was ineligible. And I said, Your thought, you know, your thoughts on losing Maurice Claret or whatever, what a what a devastating blow uh to Ohio State. And I'll never forget Jim uh you know, Coach Fossil looking at me saying, It's disappointing, not devastating. And I just thought it was an a really good response by, by a guy that I had a lot of respect for until he ran into all those problems. You know, Corette ran into some problems. One was like a tattoo hut or something. He got free tattoos or something happened. It was pretty stupid. It was pretty minor. It might have been involved with a car. No, that was, you're, you're thinking of a different Ohio State team. The, the tattoos and stuff was, was like five or six years after that. Okay. Maurice Clarets was all drugs and alcohol. and Wasn't there an automobile, too? Yeah, he was, like, going 1,000 miles an hour on the interstate, uh, like, drinking with guns everywhere in the car oh. with cops chasing him. Yeah, it was – that was not the uh, – damn, what was the quarterback who got in trouble for the tattoos? Hmm. But I'll never forget asking that to Jim Fossil. Or not Jim Fossil, Jim Tressel. Jim Tressel, excuse me, I don't know why, uh, the texter here said Fossil. Uh, it was Jim Tressel, the head coach at um, at Ohio State. Yeah, Tatsugate was 2011. Okay. So, but I thought, I thought it was a really great answer by a coach. You know, when I went to the word devastating, he's like, uh-uh, it's disappointing. But anyway, that was then with Jim Tressel when uh, Clarette was, uh, in fact, shown the door. Now, today's takeaways, brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, incentives, they're pretty incredible right now over at Key Buick GMC. I love my Key GMC Sierra truck. The GF loves her Buick Enclave. They both come from Key, right across the street from Tinseltown, south side in Gay. Let me give you the very latest as far as odds with job openings in the NFL, this is according to betonline.ag. The Eagles job is currently still held by Nick Sirianni. If he is let go, Mike Vrabel is your number one uh, candidate for that job. In L.A., it's Jim Harbaugh, okay, for the Chargers. Even though there's talk that he could be staying at Michigan. We'll have to see what happens there. In D.C., it's Ben Johnson. Right, Ben Johnson uh, still coaching right now with the um, Detroit Lions, but but being mentioned prominently right now to take over there in, in Dallas, where Mike McCarthy still has his job. It is Bill Belichick, 
the number one candidate uh, for that job. In Atlanta, the aforementioned Bill Belichick, number one for the job with the Falcons. Kellen Moore to Carolina. He is number one right now on that list. And here's one that's interesting because I think we all remember what we just witnessed recently. Dan Quinn is the number one candidate for the job in Seattle. Uh, Finally, that leaves us uh, in Tennessee, of course, within the AFC South. Bobby Slowick is a guy that's done some really nice things running the offense in Houston, as we are aware of. So imagine losing him as the offensive coordinator within the division if he does, in fact, take over as the new head coach for the Tennessee Titans. Today was really, for the most part, kind of a slow day on this Tuesday. I thought we'd have a a little bit of activity. Of course, uh, there are reports that have been out that Wink Martindale is interviewing for the Jaguars defensive coordinator job. It's supposed to be an overlapping two-day interview uh, that consisted of, uh, you know, dinner and everything tonight and then much more tomorrow. I do want to speak on that more prominently on on Wednesday. Uh, John Shipley did a nice job uh, in an article really defining the pros and the cons of Martindale. It's a, it's a really good name and a very credible defensive coordinator, but he's much more known for man coverage and obviously blitzing from all over the football field, man blitzing as opposed to Jacksonville, who everything they did this past year was zone, zone coverage, including zone blitzing. So, you, again, you're, you're asking a guy whose philosophy overall is to do things differently here in Jacksonville. And I think the most pressing question becomes, do you have the personnel to change with the way that Martindale wants to coach? Or if Martindale says yes to this job, is he willing to change to what best serves the Jaguars? That That's tricky, the in-between of those two thoughts. And again, we'll spend more time on that coming up Wednesday night, uh, right out of the gate at 6 o'clock. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, Hacker Nation is here Tuesday night. What's going on? Yeah, you know, you mentioned Wing Martindale. It's interesting when you talk to people that cover the Baltimore Ravens, cover the New York Giants, uh, there's a strong opinion of him one way or the other. I'll just say that in media circles. Some people that you talk to like him. Some people that you talk to really, really, really do not like him, and there's not a lot of middle ground. So it would be a very interesting uh, hire, I guess, Rick, if that's the direction the Jaguars go. Yeah, and, you know, everything around here kind of seems to be – you know, not reported, not talked about. I got it. We'll fix it. Maybe they need a little bit of that right now to, to kind of change the way with this defense. Oh, I think whether it's Wink Martindale, Leslie Frazier, Ron Rivera, although you really haven't heard much from him, somebody like that. I'd much rather have that this time around than go with the first-time coordinator like Mike Caldwell. That did not work. So, yeah, give me, I guess, the old guard, whatever you want to call it. I'm probably more on the Leslie Frazier bandwagon than Wink Martindale, but if it turns out to be Martindale, I don't think I would have a problem with that. Yeah, and we don't know. Leslie Frazier could have been interviewed. You don't have to tell anyone that because he's not 
property of a team. Well, we and, know he's doing a lot of head coaching interviews. Yeah, he's done it with the Raiders, and I, I think a lot of people out there think that you know Pierce is going to get that job. He's going to be able to hold on to that job. I, I, I've said all along, I would love one of those two guys. Leslie Frazier uh, would be a fantastic fit. I, Wink Martindale, there are some things that they're going to have to figure out here about his overall thinking and, and what the Jaguars do. But I'm with you. They have to bring in someone. I mean, that's what happened. You brought in an offensive, defensive, and special teams coordinator. This was all their first time ever holding those positions. And you look at a guy like Phil Rauscher. He had only had one year as an offensive line coach. He'd been an assistant, but only one year. It was a very young staff with not a lot of NFL experience. Yeah, it turned out not to work, or at least parts of it did not work. And they got a lot of work to do. I mean, you know, the Senior Bowl's around the corner. We got a college all-star game starting up. Heck, free agency, we're inside of two months before free agency. You begin on March 11th, and you can officially sign guys on March 13th. And we know how this goes, man. You're watching football and the Super Bowl come and go, and by that point, you're one month away from the league calendar and free agency beginning. So they need to get the staff in place pretty quick. All right, what's coming up tonight? Yeah, a lot of Jaguar talk. Obviously, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union will stop by. We'll also begin our divisional previews. My guy out in San Francisco, Jose Sanchez, all49ers.com will preview Green Bay and San Francisco, where I'm told out there the thinking is Super Bowl championship or bust. Makes sense. Jordan Love's made a believer out of me. Oh, I had man. no idea he was that good. Could Green Bay find another one? Are you going to go from Favre to Rodgers to another one? Sickening. It really is. I'm trying to think if there's ever been another organization like that. I mean, San Francisco went from Montana to Young. Uh, you had Bledsoe to Brady. There's been a lot of twosomes. The Steelers. threesomes. Yeah, well, that's always a good thing. The Steelers <laughs> did it with head coaches. Yes. They did it with Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin, but not a lot of organizations have done it with quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe anyhow, uh, interesting. Um, maybe we'll take a look at that as we uh, do move into uh, the days that follow. All right, have a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. That's Hacker. Uh, folks, I didn't get a chance to respond to all of you tonight. I know I got a lot of good stuff in from you. We just got so many, and we always do appreciate your input. I don't check the text line now the show is over. If you want to get a hold of me, you can do so on Twitter or X. That's Blue1010XL. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, Friday night, back to our regularly scheduled show. That'll be 6 until 8 for J.J. LaSelva. My name is Rick Ballou. Thank you, as always, for listening to us right here on your Home of the Jags.